We thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We give you all the glory. We are here, Lord, gathered. We ask you, Lord, to open our hearts to receive from you, Lord, to see, Lord, wherever we are lacking. Open our spiritual eyes and spiritual hearts, Lord. We give you all the glory, Lord. We worship you. You are our King, our Savior. We thank you, Lord, for everything you have done for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice, for allowing us, Lord, to come to the Holy of Holies, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Lord for the strength that you've given us today thank you for showing us things that we need to work on within our heart we love you you allow us to hear your voice Jesus. You may be seated. I'm not going to start praying because I've been preaching for an hour and a half before this. How are we all today? So who's ready to hear uh, this message today about the mystery of the locust? I, di- I didn't give enough value uh, to that teaching about the wild honey and the locust. But today I'm going to focus about the locust. Are we ready for this? Probably this is the first time where the Holy Spirit's allowed me to unravel uh, mystery from Revelation. I normally don't go there, um, but the teaching and the Holy Spirit took me to the locust in Revelation. It's very powerful. 
<clears throat> so just to refresh, just to refresh um, your minds from last week. Just to, just to take this so you can understand something. In the natural, after about 10 days, young, young locusts called nymphas emerge. So, so let's pay attention here. In the natural, after about 10 days, young locusts called nymphas emerge. How many plagues were there in the book of Exodus? There were 10 plagues. They look like a smaller version of the adult, but without wings. So in the book of Proverbs, it also speaks about a locust in a good way. But this here is speaking about evil. It can go both. As the nymphs grow, there, as the nymphs grow, they shed their skin or molt. After the fifth molt, they are mature adults with fully formed wings and sexual organs. Now, John the Baptist ate wild honey and locusts. He set five principles. So the locust sheds around five layers of skin in its lifetime. John the Baptist showed us five principles of how to shed that skin. Okay, I just want to quickly go through them quickly. The first one was to deal with selfishness. The second one was to deal with dishonest, being dishonest. I spoke about greed, but I'm really going into it deeply now. The second, the second shedding was regarding dishonest. The third one was to deal with control. The fourth one was to deal with arrogance. And the fifth one was to deal with not being content. This is, this is the five principles. If you read it in Luke chapter 11, verse 14, he set us five principles for the people that want to see it. Please don't cry yet. I just started. <laughs> oh, so I forgot. I went on a few missions last week. Who would like to hear some feedback? I took my wife. We went on a mission. And it was a, it was a, I would say it was a funny one. How the Holy Spirit cornered this man. And he never... <laughs> How the Holy Spirit cornered this man. <laughs> it's actually very funny. I have to share it with you. Because the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor. So I went on this mission. Um, uh, unfortunately, this girl had cancer. And um, I'm not saying this to degrade him in any way. I'm just giving you examples of how the Holy Spirit operates. Now, the Holy Spirit showed me that... She watched, she watched her father from a young age have cancer and she believed in her childhood that she can grow up and possibly get sick as well. And um, before I walked into the room, the Holy Spirit showed me that picture that she was by the bedside of her father watching him 
suffer from a particular cancer and that fear come onto her. Unfortunately, very common. All the missions that I go on are very common. And the Holy Spirit dealt with the root of the issue being the fear of getting sick or the trauma of watching, unfortunately, the father being sick. And it's very important that she knew that to, to show her where the problem was diagnosed, where it began. Now, by God's grace, she received, it was beautiful, but with the, with the husband, I asked the Holy Spirit, why is he telling me this? Why is the Holy Spirit telling me this for him? And the Holy Spirit said something to me. He said, before you pray for her regarding the sickness, I have to deal with her husband because they're one flesh. Husband and wife, they're one flesh. They're, they're, they're one now in covenant with God. And the Holy Spirit stopped me from praying for her to first to deal with this man. Now, I'm saying this again, not to degrade the man, not to degrade the woman, but to show you how the Holy Spirit functions. Because what's the point of a prayer if he hasn't brought order to their life? The prayer is not uh, effective. And every time we pray, the Holy Spirit wants to be effective through us. But if we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we'll not be effective. Now, the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, by God's grace, they just got married. The Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to tell him this. <laughs> actually, I'm laughing in my heart because I know what the Holy Spirit's actually going to do. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to tell him this. Tell him that when he has a son, he didn't send me a daughter, he told me a son. He said, tell him when they have a son, I want you to tell him to name it Michael. And he said to me, no way. <laughs> he said, no way, no, no, no. Just like that, I knew straight away there's a fence between a man called Michael. And how the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit got to him <laughs> was through a blessing that he wants. And he said, he looked at me in the eye, he said, anyone but that person. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that before the Lord allowed me to deal with restoration for his wife, he had to deal with the blockage. Because that is a very big blockage, unforgiveness. Now, I don't want to go too much into it, because there's a lot of deep things the Holy Spirit revealed to me. But he said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me to tell him to name the son Michael. Now, the Holy Spirit gives me names always. This is the third time this has happened to me regarding a blessing, but really uh, something that the Holy Spirit has to reveal. Now, he, he, he said no, but then he started to cry. And then the Holy Spirit said, tell him again that once he's named his son Michael when it's born, then he's truly forgiven that man. And isn't it interesting now? The Holy Spirit deals with everyone differently. But I just heard and I obeyed what he told me to say. Now, isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit sometimes speaks to people in parables? He didn't speak to him directly. You need to forgive that man, Michael. 
he spoke in a parable. And I always ask the Holy Spirit, why do you speak in a parable to someone? And the Holy Spirit said, when they're not functioning in faith and I'm not happy with them, I speak to them in parables. Because operating unforgiveness, unfortunately, is not a place where you're pleasing God. So he speaks in a parable to expose that. And that person received the Lord from that message. Because, no, we don't, we don't, we don't need a clap, it's okay. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, through a blessing, exposed what he really needs to deal with. And he said to me, he said to me for four months or five months, every single morning I would hear a whisper, forgive Michael, forgive Michael, forgive Michael, forgive Michael, forgive Michael, every day. And the Holy Spirit came. Why he came to solve the issue? Firstly, unforgiveness is murder in God's eyes. But unforgiveness is the heart of Satan. And imagine Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, bless, heal, heal, heal my family, restore my family, and you're speaking from the heart of Satan. God will not permit. God doesn't permit. God doesn't permit. God doesn't, he doesn't permit this. He has to bring order into your life. Because for our Father to forgive us our sins, we have to forgive others their sins. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit told me that this man ripped him off and took money from him and take, uh, destroyed him. And it was just interesting how the Holy Spirit spoke in a parable. And I don't really hear the Holy Spirit speak in parables. Like he, he used the blessing to get to the to the issue of what's the real issue. He used the man, he used his, he used his son that he doesn't have yet to get to that. <laughs> no way. The first thing he said, and I said, yes. Yes way, yes way. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, when I speak in parables, I'm not pleased with them. Now, isn't it sad how Jesus spoke about the Pharisees? They knew at the end that he was speaking about them. He knew. And Jesus doesn't speak to us in parables anymore. He speaks to us direct. But that's if you're on course and you're walking with him. So I, th I thought I'd just share that with you. So when you pray, just a bit of wisdom, when you pray in your heart, just make sure that you have made peace with the Lord and you have brought those things to Him. Before you ask for deliverance, before you ask for healing, before you ask for restoration, be it, make peace with the Lord and His Word. Make peace. Examine yourself. Speak your heart before you ask Him to do something for you. And I just share with you that the Lord brought reconciliation to that family. Imagine, imagine us as ambassadors of Christ. If we were not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, one would go and pray, Lord Jesus, heal. 
but the Holy Spirit hasn't brought that to the light to actually restore them, which allows their prayers to be open and not blocked anymore. I just want to explain something to you. And isn't it interesting that before you bring your prayer to our King, our Savior, and our God, Jesus, make sure that you have made peace with Him and His Word. Okay. So the locust sheds his skin five times. John the Baptist left us five principles. <clears throat> now we get into the meat. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I have a question for you. Why did God bring the plagues to begin with? And what's interesting, the plagues that happen in Exodus... They were, they were also spoken of in Revelation, hidden and inscripted. So the plagues that happen in the book of Exodus, it is a type and shadow of what's going to happen in Revelation. But can I ask you something? Why did God bring the eighth plague of the, of the plague of the locust to come upon the land of Egypt? What was the reason for that? Can anyone tell me? What was the reason for the eighth plague for the locusts to come over the land of Egypt? Yeah, so the locusts ate everything. We know that, but what, what was the reason why God allowed it to come? What's that, sorry? Yeah, so he, yeah, yeah, so he wasn't pleased with the people, but what was the real issue? So it's in the chapter. What was the real issue why God brought the plague of the locusts to begin with? Because who brought the locusts? Who brought it? God brought it. So what was the issue regarding the locusts in the book of Exodus that's still spoken of in the book of Revelation? What was the real issue? Because let me share something with you here today. <laughs> John the Baptist, he ate locusts and honey, meaning as he applied the word of God, he shed his skin and he became more and more in the image of God. In Revelation, the locust has a scorpion's tail now. And it has some other things, but I'm going to hit with the scorpion. Why did God bring the plague to begin with? What was he really not happy with to begin with? And has it changed today, or is it still functioning today in believers? Disobedience, I'm looking for one word. Or actually, yeah, it's hardness of heart. Now, now, this is very interesting. Now, God, the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Did God make his heart hard, or he sent someone to expose what's really already inside? God didn't harden his heart. That man was hard already, but Moses went and exposed what was already inside. 
God, then God's unjust is not fair. So the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but it's according to his own heart. He was already hard, hard but Moses exposed that hardness by telling him to obey, obey someone who's greater than him. Do we get that? So the biggest plague, the biggest plague, unfortunately the locust, they came because of hardness of heart. Now, do you have a hard heart? Because what do locusts do? What do locusts do when they come? What do locusts do? Now, can I share something? So, a locust is a picture. Uh, can we just go to Revelation first? Uh, I think we. We go to Revelation first. How many shedding of skin? What, where are you? Where are we now? Again. Again, the fifth angel. We're going somewhere here. So let's read it and then we'll start. And I'll explain to you what the Holy Spirit showed me. Now, I, don't, I normally don't go into Revelation, but thank the Lord He's beginning to open it slowly. So then the fifth angel sounded. So there's the locust sheds five of his skins. The number five is symbolic of what? The number five is symbolic of weakness. Weakness. Okay, I'll go there and I'll explain it to you. So the, then the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the keys to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke, a locust came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth. Now pay attention to this here. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree. Now you have to register this statement, because I'll come back to it, and I'll explain to you what, are, what is the green, what is the grass of the earth, what is a green thing and what is a tree? But only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given and they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for how long? Five again. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locust was like a horses prepared for battle on their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men. They had a hair like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. Now here, here, this has to be demons. 
that have been released from the bottomless pit to actually attack people, but they couldn't touch any green tree, any green tree, any any um, any grass, and any tree. Now, what's that mean? I'm going to explain it. But before I go there, I want to explain something here. Back to the hardness of heart. Let's go to Proverbs 28:14. I just want to get this off, just so I can really edge into this here. Now, what is the true definition of a person who has a hard heart, and what are, what are their fruits? Because if I had a hard heart, I would like to know, right? Yeah. And to be honest, every one of us has a form of layer of hardness of heart inside of us, if we want to be humble. Proverbs 28.14 gives us an analogy why a person operates or functions in the hardness of heart. Now look what it says here. Blessed and favored by God is the man who fears sin and its consequences at all times. But he who hardens his heart is determined to sin and will fall into disaster. Now a person who operates or functions as a person who has a hard heart lacks what? He lacks the fear of God. The hardness of heart is not the real issue. The lack of fear of God is the real problem. And the, the fear of God was designed, I spoke about it in the books of wisdom regarding the teachings, was designed to what? To, to fear sin and its consequences at all times. Now sin has a consequence because under the new covenant now of grace, if you sin, it's willful. It's not by accident. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. When you sin now, it's willful because you know it's wrong. And yes, we can receive mercy. Yes, we can help. We can receive help. But what is the true problem that keeps you sinning and keeps, keeps you attached to your flesh? It's the lack of fear of God. Lord, forgive me. Lord, have mercy on me. Yes, they have volume. Yes, they have truth. But the real issue is that you lack the fear of God inside. That keeps you attached to the enemy, keeps you attached to sin, and keeps you attached to the world. Now imagine all your life, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Without knowing the real issue of your hard heart is that you lack the fear of God. So whoever unfortunately lacks the fear of God has a hard heart. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 15. Having a hard heart has, has consequences, unfortunately. And let's read it. I have to go here before I go into Revelation, into the intense teaching. See to it, brothers and sisters. Who's he speaking to now? He's speaking to believers. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. What does a hard heart do? 
it turns away from the true call of God. Keep going, please. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold firmly to the end our original conviction. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So here he's showing us here, when it comes to what? Harden your heart against what? Learning his ways. So a person who doesn't want to learn his ways, unfortunately, hardens his heart. You must learn that today, before the benefits, before the blessings, we are to be established in learning God's ways. And one of the highest principles of learning God's ways is the fear of God. Because then you're at war with the flesh and war with sin. So we'll go Hebrews 4, 5 to 7 quickly. So the people who have a hard heart, unfortunately, they will struggle to enter into his rest. And in again this pas passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience. God again said a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as it is in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So you begin to see here what allows people to not enter into the rest of the Lord is because they struggle to learn His ways. So a hardness of heart produces disobedience. The real issue is the hardness of heart. Where it goes back to, because under the new covenant of Christ, what are we to do? We are to love the Lord and to feed the Lord. They are together. They are two partners. A lot of people, yes, they know about the love of Jesus, but they lack the fear of God that keeps them away from sin. And I'm not going to read it, but if you want to cross-reference, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 17 to 24. It teaches you how to be healed from it. A hardness of heart. Now, I'll let you do a bit of research yourself. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 24, talks, talks to you about how to be healed from a hardness of heart. Now, let's go into it. Can I share something with you? So, <laughs> so the locust is symbolic of your flesh, right? And it sheds its skin five times. Now it's got a scorpion's tail on it. So I started, to <laughs> I started to ask the Holy Spirit, you have to explain this to me. And he did. And he said to me, he showed me that 
a scorpion eats locust. And, and the locust now is empowering the flesh. So the scorpion now is empowering the flesh. So for the scorpion to have a sting on his back, he's now empowering the flesh. Where, where you're not able to walk by the spirit anymore. Because how does a scorpion, how does a scorpion target, how does the scorpion, the spiritual scorpion, target us today? What does he do? He grabs us with his claw. He grabs us with his claw. What is the, what is the claw symbolic of? His idea. His influence in your mind. Then he penetrates his venom inside of you. What's his venom? His venom tells you spiritually that you're paralyzed, but you're alive. Shows you that you're alive in the flesh, but in the spiritual, you're paralyzed from walking with Christ because of his influence. Now, I'm going to share his influence today. What is the scorpion's influence? Now, I've shared a little bit about it before. But I'll share something with you. So the trees, the grass and the fields are symbolic of New Testament believers. They were commanded not to touch them. They were not allowed because they were well flourished in Christ. Every tree in the Bible is symbolic of a spiritual believer and how he matures with Christ. Do we get that? But can I share something that will make you think, oh my God. So, so the locust, the locust, one of the locust's greatest food is a fig tree. Now, Jesus cursed the fig tree. This one of the greatest foods of a scorpion is a fig tree. Now, a scorpion and a locust, they hate the olive tree because it's very bitter to them. It's symbolic of a person who is functioning in the house of prayer, functioning in the anointing, fu functioning in a life by the Spirit. Now, it's unbelievable because every tree... Yeah, when I've done the Google thing, I've done Google. So I went on Google and it says that the scorpion hates the olive tree and the, and the locusts hate the olive tree because it's bitter to them. So guess what happens? The, the plague of the locusts, the hardness of heart, will not come next to you and the skin, the system of the scorpion will not come next to you, his influence, because you're a person of a house of prayer. We understand now. So... They were sent from, unfortunately, the kingdom of darkness, their demons, to attack all those people that lack these attributes. You get me now? But they loved the figs. The figs, Jesus cursed it because they wouldn't produce any fruit. What did Jesus say? The one who is against me is scatters. That word scattered is scorpion in the Greek. It's unbelievable, and it talks about a house divided cannot stand. So a person who's going after the world cannot stand with his kingdom because he has the influence of the scorpion. Please don't stone me today. 
but I'm actually saving your soul. <laughs> now the locust and the scorpion. Now isn't it interesting that the scorpion can eat the locust, but both of them hate the olive tree. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Holy Spirit actually showed me that while I was studying. It's bitter to them. They will stay far away from you. This away from me, Satan, it sounds good, but they can only see it by your walk. So the word, Luke chapter 11, verse 23, just to quickly go, I have to show this to you before I continue. Because the trees, the fields, and the grass are symbolic of healthy, spiritual believers. They were commanded not to touch them. I'm thinking when I first read Revelation many years ago, I'm thinking, just burn the grass. Burn the trees. And the Holy Spirit told me today, they are the believers, the ones who are anointed, the ones who are righteous, the ones who are bearing fruit. They were commanded not to touch them. Why? Because the true seal of God, by the Spirit and by the way they walked and lived, was on them. So let's look at this one. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Now, isn't this interesting? That it says here that he who is not with me, there is a reason for that. It's because you are influenced by the scorpion. Now, one who is influenced by the scorpion, the Bible, you want to see that what it actually means? I have to show it to you. The word scatter, the, the one who doesn't gather with me scatters, the word scatter is scorpizo. And it's the idea of penetrating. The Strong's is 4650. Now look at this. You have to pay attention. Meaning those who, who routed or terror-stricken by some other impulses of the flesh. Now those, the idea of penetrating, those who were terror-stricken by their fleshly desires. The next one is a clear one. Meaning to scatter abroad through what others may collect for themselves. Did you hear that? So the system of the scorpion is what? You can't gather with Christ because you're serving yourself. That's what this actually means. So let's say you are serving the world. Truth be told, the kingdom of Satan has influenced you through the penetration of the scorpion. Let's say your hunger and desire, let's say your hunger and desire and your motivation is the world, you are in an illusion of the scorpion's sting. You would rather hear truth here today than hear it when it's too late. <laughs> because I'm reading Revelation now. The Holy Spirit showed me in the beginning of the year He's going to begin to ramp up the teaching. 
First Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 to 12. So are we getting this here? So the scorpion's tail, there's other things, but I'm not going to speak about it right now. The scorpion's tail is connected to the locust. The Holy Spirit showed me that the impulses or his desire now is influenced by the scorpion. Now look what it says here. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, and what? Peace themselves with many griefs. Piercing here. Now the word piercing here means to torture one's soul. Now how does he torture your soul? By making you think about it every day. Serve it every day. Live for it every day. That's how he tortures your soul. Because if you're living for it every day, you're thinking about it every day, wherever your heart is, there your what? Your treasure will be. So his kingdom, his influence, the scorpion sting has penetrated you now. So the, the, Holy, so the Holy Spirit showed me the scorpion doesn't get his prey straight away. He corners it with his claw. He, he holds it with his claw before he injects the venom. The Holy Spirit showed me that's his influence first. He sells it to you in your mind, then he injects you. Scary, isn't it? But this is the truth. Which truth are you looking for? But you, who's he speaking to? But you, man of God, flee from all this. Flee. Uh, you know what? Like, let's be wise and let's know how to handle this and all this stuff. Run for your life that way. <laughs> you know, when, <laughs> when Joseph fleed Potiphar's wife, he showed you lust cannot be confronted. You have to run for your life the other way. There are certain scriptures that tells you flee, shows you don't have the ability to confront it. You can't compromise with you want to be rich. It's what it says, that's it. So when it says flee, uh, let's have wisdom, let's know how to deal with this stuff. Run for your life the other way. In the, especially in the beginning of your journey, when you're just learning to spring up. When you're just learning spiritually to be dead and to be transformed and to be purged from all these things, Satan comes with his influence, grabs you with his claw before he penetrates you. So are we ready? 
the fig tree, he's, he's going to laugh from this. Can I have a photo, Chris? Chris, you got that photo? The, the, the leaf of a fig tree. How many has it? They say, they, they say it's three to five, but most of them are five. It's got five. One, two, three, four, five. Symbolic of the weakness of the flesh. And isn't it interesting that locusts and scorpions love to eat figs? They love it. Because that's, that's what they're attracted to. They are attracted to the flesh. Can you see it, someone? The devil is attracted to your flesh. As long as you're, attra- as long as you're walking in the flesh, Satan's influence through the scorpion and the plagues of hardness of heart, they're always attracted to you. But you put an olive tree, you'll make them bitter and they'll die. So the fig tree has five lobes. Can we go to Psalms 96, verse 8 to 13, please? Okay, are you ready? Now I want you to see this scripture in context because it links up with Revelation. Are we ready? It says, Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Now he's showing you the true offerings that you are to bring to Christ. Next one. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Number one. What is your true and proper worship? To offer what? Your bodies a living sacrifice. Holiness. So here he's showing you here what a true sacrifice is. Tremble before him all the earth. Next one. Say among the nations the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Now what is he speaking about here? Judgment. Next one. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. What are we speaking about today? The field. How does a field be joyful? He's talking about believers. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. Now, trees don't talk. He's speaking about spiritual believers. Next one. For he is coming, judgment day again. For he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with him with his truth. Okay, so now we understand now the picture of the trees, the fields, and the grass are believers. Now, let's have a look at this here. Now, the olive tree, the olive tree speaks about spiritually, it represents a fruitful, anointed, and a person who is walking spiritually renewed in the blessings of God. Psalms 128, verse 1 to 4. I'm going to go through a couple of these trees to show you how 
the tree that you establish in your heart will not be able to touch when the Lord comes to judge his people. Satan will not be able to touch you on the day of judgment. And you start to see what God is looking for. Psalms 128 verse 1 to 4. It represents, the olive tree represents the crushing of the Holy Spirit. It represents how you've been disciplined and purged by Him. So let's go to Psalms 128 verse 1 to 4. It said, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Number one, fear of the Lord. What's the opposite of fear of the Lord? This is why the reason of the plague came in the beginning. Hardness of heart. Can you just come and see this? You have to see the bigger picture. Why someone serves the world? Why someone serves sin? Why someone serves the devil? The bigger picture is not because of sin itself. It's because you lack the fear of God. Need to get this. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Number one, remember you see, they didn't enter His rest because they didn't learn His ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. So you begin to see what the olive tree represents. You start to see what the olive tree represents. Behold, thus shall be the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So you begin to see here why the devil couldn't touch those trees. And you must know this day is coming to the earth. Whether you believe it or you don't, it's going to come. It is going to come. Now, Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9. Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you know what? I want to go there. About the fig tree. Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9. This is regarding the fig tree. Now, it's interesting... <laughs> It's interesting regarding the, the way that Jesus brought this teaching. Now let's read it in context and you'll see at the bottom how he finishes from both of them. Now he's talking about a fig tree here. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Next one. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that you can cut it down. Now, can we just go to the next scripture? 
Now look how Jesus finishes his teaching. He always gives you the way out. He's talking about fertilizing that fig tree now, and he's showing you here, uh, verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So you start to see applying the teaching would allow it to give it moisture so it can start to grow and bear fruit. You begin to see he counterfeits how you can actually overcome it. Here he's speaking about the teaching. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. He's showing my teaching will do that for you. Can anyone see the resemblance? Luke 21, verse 29 to 37. Now you have to see the resemblance, how he deals with the fig tree. Now there are people here who haven't bared, who are not bearing fruit, true fruit. And Holy Spirit showing you how to actually get out of it. Not to trap you, but how to, to get out. Now the first one talks about a teaching. Look what he speaks about here. Here he speaks about a fig tree. Then he speaks about the Mount of Olives. So then he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put out leaves, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is near. So you too, when you see these things happening, know without any doubt that the kingdom of God is near. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, this generation those living at the definite period of time preceding the second coming will not pass away until everything takes place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down and depressed with the giddiness of debauchery and the nausea of self-indulgence and the worldly worries of life. And then that day when the Messiah returns will not come on you suddenly like a trap. What does the scorpion do? He traps his prey. What is, what is the love of money? What does it do? It's a snare. What is a snare? A snare is like a trap that catches, that catches the birds of the air or the animals. And what, what, isn't it interesting that a snare is mostly used for birds? Why? Because we are spiritual beings that fly in the spiritual realm. Our feet isn't meant to touch the ground. Can you understand? We are seated in heavenly places. We are spiritual beings. Our mind cannot be for the world. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the earth. And can we go to the next one? But keep alert at all times. Be attentive and ready praying that you may have the strength and ability to be found worthy and to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man at His coming. Now in the daytime, Jesus was preaching in the porches of the courts of the temple, but at night He would go out and spend the night on the mount that is called Olives. Now isn't it interesting how He counterfeited that from the fig tree to go and uh, walk and produce the anointing. Walk and sit in God's presence. Walk and allow Him to crush you and to deal with everything that's inside. You can be, see the resemblance with the fig and the teaching, the fig and the man of olives. He shows you how to get out. You're not meant to stay there. And everyone starts there. It's okay. 
but we can get out. So a sycamore tree that Zacchaeus got up on, it's symbolic of repentance. In the Hebrew, Zacchaeus means the righteous one or the pure one. So we go to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 10. It says, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild rebuild with hewn stones. Now here, it's showing here, it's showing here how, how the walls of your heart lacks repentance. You have given in to the world. You, you are, you are, that strong armor that you've built around you has been destroyed. He's showing you here the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hoon stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Now here you've got a sycamore tree and you have a cedar tree. A cedar tree is symbolic of righteous living and spiritual growth. So isn't it interesting here? It says the sycamore trees are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars, focusing on spiritual growth and righteous living. The scripture is unbelievable how they're all coming together. So sycamore tree, symbolic of repentance. The cedar tree and the palm tree is symbolic of righteous living and spiritual growth. We go to Psalms 92, verse 12. It says here, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So here, he shows you here that the cedar tree and the palm tree is symbolic of righteous living and spiritual growth. First John chapter 2 verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. The grass of the earth. Remember, the locust with the scorpion's tail couldn't touch the field or the grass or the trees. The grass or the green pasture is symbolic of Psalms 23, that the Lord is shepherding you and guiding you. You begin to see the picture in Revelations, why the devil couldn't touch them, because they were shepherded by the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Remember my sheep, they hear my voice, they follow me. So this is a picture now that the tree is symbolic of repentance, the anointing, righteous living. Now the Lord's shepherding you. You start to see the bigger picture. Okay, now to close off here, I will go to Psalms 23, verse 1 to 3. We'll go there. A Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Now, I want to show you a little treasure that the Lord showed me while I was studying today. 
We go to Mark 6, verse 34 to 39. Now, I found this a beautiful picture because he linked this up with revelation for me. Now, look at this here. This is a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. He already done it for us. We need to walk in it. That's it. It's that simple. He's done it for us. We need to submit now to his authority. Look what it says here. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion with them because they were like a sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is, the, this is a deserted place. Now pay attention to this here. This word here means this is a very lonely place. This is a place where there is no life in it. Jesus is showing us something more powerful. But it will link up with the number five. This is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to him, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said... Five, but he added two. Why did he add two? Seventh day, there's completion in him. But look what he said after this here. You're going to see this picture. It's beautiful. Because it links with revelation that they couldn't touch any green thing. Look what it says here. Next one. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on where? Yeah. That's what Jesus done for us. Let them sit now on green grass. They belong to me. I can feed them now. They're, feed, they're getting fed from me. Revelations, the devil couldn't touch them. Isn't that a beautiful feature? Isn't that a beautiful feature? Command them to sit on the green grass. John the Baptist came preaching the law, weakness. Jesus came, Jesus came better than him. Surpassed him by completing us. John stopped at five principles. Jesus stopped at completion. It's actually a beautiful truth. Amen. So I'll share something with you. Jesus done it for us. There is a word now called obedience. And that's all we have to walk in now. When you know what he done for you, then you can become obedient. But he commanded them from sitting in the wilderness, from sitting in the wilderness where John the Baptist was eating those five principles, he added two which completed them. Now I'll feed him true bread from heaven. And I'll give him fish to show them of what they are to do. That your life is in the kingdom now. But this is something you have to ask yourself. That is your life inside of the kingdom. Because the one who doesn't gather with me scatters. The one who doesn't gather with me 
has been influenced from the world and has been stung by the venom of the scorpion and his mind is for selfishness. But when you look at the one with Jesus, the olive tree, they're, spiritual, they're spiritually fruitful and the anointing is working in them for the sake of the kingdom to gather and to seek and save the lost. Now I want to close off with this verse, Proverbs 11.30. And I'll stop here. This is something for you to understand. That if you are a true tree that stands for Christ, this is what follows in your life. Now this may be a shock to you, but I want to show it to you here. And this is something you have to understand. The trees that stood where the devil couldn't touch them was because of one focus was to gather like Jesus gathered on earth. You hear that? You hear that? Look what it says. You see it, right? Look. There's no, there's no way that you can be a tree without saving souls. And if your vision is to save souls, then your vision is not to serve your appetite for the world anymore. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. A tree now, we're talking about a tree. They couldn't touch him. Revelation, they, the devil couldn't touch him. And he who wins souls is wise. Now, I'll leave it with you. Is your desire together with Jesus? Or maybe is your desire first is for the Holy Spirit to take that system, that sting, the venom of the scorpion away from your heart first? Know where he's working. Because imagine, I'm going to go win souls and I'm going to have a bit of the sting of the devil. It's good? <laughs> it's good. It doesn't sound right, eh? Yeah. That's how so many people treat the Lord today. That's how so many people treat the Lord today and they don't witness the full explosion of the Holy Spirit. So imagine you saying, Lord... Let me win souls. No. Look, take that system away from me. Show me my true desire to be you only. Then you start to move in the right direction. So thank the Lord Jesus that he commanded them to sit on the green ground. Why? Because they were hungry for his kingdom more than anything. They followed him because they knew that he was the truth. That's why. And he says, you command them to go. They followed him wherever they go at any cost. But it's a beautiful picture of Jesus surpassing John. By the, John came preaching the weakness of the flesh, the law. Jesus came fulfilling it himself by telling them, I no longer... We'll send you to see John the Baptist in the wilderness. You sit with me now and get fed from me. I'm the one who's completed you. Unbelievable. Isn't it interesting? He taught him to sit, not stand. Because in the beginning of a journey, you need to sit at the feet of Jesus. Isn't that right? But sometimes the beginning, the flesh is everywhere. You don't know how to sit. <laughs> Jesus wants you to sit at his feet
and then everything will become green around you. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. I pray for you. So treasure for you today, some beautiful teaching from the Holy Spirit. And isn't that interesting? It keeps, I keep seeing it, <laughs> that the locusts and the scorpions love the fig tree. The devil will always be attracted to you when you have a hard heart or the lack of the fear of God. So it's just a beautiful picture to see why, why do you do what you do? You begin to see why. Why do you function in the way that you function? You begin to see why. That I have, unfortunately, the lack of the fear of God in my heart. Now, isn't it interesting that before forgiveness, before mercy, before knowing God's love, wouldn't it be wise to focus on the core that keeps you feeding that life? This is how the Holy Spirit functions. Imagine learning God's mercy and learning God's love without learning the fear of God that dismantles all the kingdom of darkness over your life. This is how the Holy Spirit wants to work. So open your hands. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We worship you, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I can't thank you enough for how good you have been to us and to this place. I thank you for the level of truth that determines a level of us to push more into you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that we can begin to see things clearer. I pray for every person here, Lord, that they continue on this true journey, which is all about you. We worship you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I'd like to thank you for the teaching. I'd like to thank you for the wisdom. I'd like to thank you for all that you have done for us and the house that you have built in each one of our hearts. I give you all the glory, Lord Jesus, and I honor you because you have done this. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You deserve all our praise, our glory, our honor. You deserve all our life because you are the meaning of life, Lord. I pray for every person here, Lord, today, that they walk the true journey and that you, you help them, Lord. You help them. Help them to walk with you in the way that you designed us to walk. I pray, Father, anyone who is weak here, anyone who is struggling, anyone who feels burnt out, anyone who feels like they have lost the presence of the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you refresh them today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, refresh every person here today. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. This is what I'm seeing, that the Lord is bringing refreshment to you, dealing with the weariness, 
dealing with the restlessness, dealing with a clouded mind, dealing with no hope. Holy Spirit restoring you today. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Allow us to encounter you more in the way of the Spirit. But Lord, before we go out to win souls, I pray that every person here is dismantled from the system and the influence of this world, which is an illusion. Thank you, Lord. I pray that we can become all trees, fields and grass, pastures, so you can look from heaven and see us that we are bearing true fruit that glorifies your name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much.